Welcome to another edition of the Golden Breakdown. I'm your host, Adam Woke. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at the Golden Break, where we can talk about what has just happened over these last two games. I know I wasn't with you after the DePaul game, um, but I'm here tonight with you after Providence, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of happy that I, I waited because when I finished watching that DePaul game, I, you know, I tried to tell myself, You know, this team had been on hiatus for a while. They haven't played for a little bit. Uh, It was obvious the offense was horrendous. Um, There was no rhythm. Um, So I said, you know, there's a lot going on with COVID. Why don't we watch and see what happens here at Providence? Let's see what's actually a trend uh, or what's what can we chalk up to being a problem of the pandemic? And after watching the game tonight, well, I think that there is definitely parts of this very odd year that are creating a very weird Marquette basketball team. There are some serious, serious issues with this team. Uh, I'm not really going to go in an order because I don't think that anybody needs me to recap 10-minute uh, segments of what we've seen um, so let me start by something that just absolutely baffles me. At the end of the game, you have two timeouts in the final shot. How are you not taking a timeout? You have a team that has not shown you any reason to be confident in their ability to score. They have done nothing to show you that they have been in any sort of offensive rhythm. How do you not draw up a play with a team that so desperately needed some offensive guidance? I cannot tell you how much that pissed me off at the end of the game. And what was hilarious is that we call a timeout with .8, and I think to myself, this actually might be worse because we have somehow become one of the worst inbounding teams I've ever seen. So now, when we did get to use the timeout because we had no offense going whatsoever in that last play, we go into an inbounds, which to me is one of our absolute weaknesses. I mean, I don't. I wish there was a stat out there, and maybe I don't want anybody to have to actually go and watch this, of how many times we just... Look at the first option when the ball's under the hoop in an inbounds play and chuck it three quarters down the court. That was such an awful sequence of coaching. And when you start looking at coaching, let's, let's, let's stay on that because look at how these teams, Providence and DePaul, decided to defend us. It says so much about what teams think about us when we look at the decisions that these coaches were making. Against DePaul, they were going under every screen because they had zero respect for our ability to hit the three, and they were right. I think we went 10 for 30 in that game against DePaul. 
And don't let that 30% deceive you into thinking that we shot it well. 10 for 33, to be exact. We were no threat. And what I also found interesting is that they, DePaul was also playing us tight off the ball. Now, if you don't respect a team at the arc, typically you're willing to sag a little bit off the ball because you're not overly worried about them hitting anything. So usually if you got a guy up in your face and you're off the ball, it allows you to back cut, move around. Like we have no threat of doing that. Our offensive system doesn't have any creativity off the ball. We only allow our players to be creative with the ball. There's no back cuts. There's no moving around the arc. And that goes to my next point of they they double us in the block all the time, both teams, and, and has been a trend now for quite some time because, one, we don't do a good job of ever breaking a double out of the block. We don't skip pass enough. And our guards don't ever move around. We do not have, when the ball goes into the block, the lack of action off the ball just makes me want to pull my hair out. How do you don't move around to get to an open space makes it so much easier for the off-the-ball defenders. It makes it easier for them to double because now if you're the guy doubling off the guy on the arc and you shoot down to block and, and, and your guy is standing there, you're not only covering that passing lane, but you can also double because your guy is – that you're defending isn't moving anywhere around the arc. We saw that in, in both games. Now, with the screen and roll in Providence, what they do is they blitz you. And what that says about our offense is that they don't fear our ability to get the ball to the roller or the guy who pops. And that is so unbelievably true about this team. Whenever we get blitzed, we have no ability to break a double whatsoever. So basically, teams don't respect our three. They know that if they can just double us whenever we're coming off a screen or roll or a post action, they know that it'll completely make us ineffective because we have been nothing but ineffective these last two games offensively. I'm not even going to talk about the defense today. It's not worth it because the offenses were so historically bad. I mean, I, I would imagine historically bad. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Maybe I'm just frustrated, but... It was so bad to watch offensively that I, I, I can't even, there's no point really of spending time talking about the defense. And when you think about the, you know, going back to, to how teams guard us, they put screen, screen and rolls or they go under where they force us to take a three and take away any other action on that. Or they double in the block and take away the post. And folks, that's our offense. That's really almost everything we do outside of that it's what can a guy do taking someone off the dribble so this brings me to my next question and this is actually a question for dr k what happened to theo john i'm going to give some things that i have observed um, but I want Dr. Keegan to go into the stats of really, you can, I mean, the last two games I thought were really bad. Yes, I know Theo John tonight had nine points, was four for seven from the field, but there are a lot of issues around that that I'm going to talk about that I observed. But 
I'd like Dr. Keegan to, to dig into the stats for the last couple weeks here, um, especially compared to the beginning of the season. We are seeing a player who teams know how to prepare for. Theo John, what he was doing offensively at the beginning of the year, he has not done for quite some time. And what I don't seem to understand is why Woj continues, continues to have the vast majority of paint touches go through him. He lacks touch. He cannot break a double. Whenever they double, the whole offensive system just breaks. It just falls apart. I've noticed that we have this problem in our offense where we get through two or three actions, you know, screen, ball to the wing, into the post, ineffective, fall back out, reset. It's like we reset our offense every three actions, every two actions. And it there's it, it stops flow. The ball never moves from the arc to arc. I mean, I, this team has no ability to move the ball from one side of the court to the other in a way that makes a defense have to move. We don't ever force a defense to have to move. We only force a defense to have to make decisions. How are you going to guard the block? How are you going to guard the screen roll? We don't ever make them have to play catch up. We don't move them around. And in our offensive sets, and, and, and Theo John is someone that this has been happening to a lot. When Theo John either goes to set a screen he gets moved off his space by it, which is, I, I don't understand. I mean, that's been happening to Garcia and John, too. Garcia and John have had all sorts of issues. Although I would say Lewis has had a good had a good night tonight, but Garcia's had two terrible games because um, our guys are just getting knocked off their spots in the court. So when Theo goes to set a screen for one of our wings, you want your guys to get to a certain spot on the court to set that screen. They're beating John to that spot every time. John can't break a double. He can't see a double coming. He never anticipates a double so that he can get the ball out to the to the wing or whoever the double is coming off of. His touch has not improved in four years that he's been in the program. It's it's never been something like, yeah, he can fill it up a little bit, but why he is the main dominant force in the post for this team, like, why Garcia and Lewis are not getting more of those touches. And speaking of touches, shout out to Payne Touches, who showed some really good stats about the combos of Lewis, Garcia, Lewis, Theo John, Theo John Garcia, and we're, and everything with Theo John, and it was bad. And I looked at that, and I I, I was like, ah, is that the, the stats misleading us? You know, I know I've been worried about John, and he hasn't necessarily played the greatest um, and I have my concerns with with Lewis. I mean, Lewis can really struggle defensively. We saw it tonight. We saw some some really tough defensive stretches against. So I, I think of you know a veteran forward, but we continue to 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 run our offense through Theo John, and I don't know what he's done to make you think why that was the case. Yeah, I know we have to run it through the block, but dominantly through Theo John, it stalls the offense. It makes the offense bland. And it doesn't evolve. I mean, we haven't evolved at all. And it's starting, you know, this is where, again, like, what is pandemic? What is coaching? What is, you know, the what is maybe some of the player IQ on this team? 
I'm not sure what has the biggest slice of the pie when we try to define the problem. Um, but, but for me, our offense has never evolved from a coaching aspect. We haven't done anything different to engage our athletes in unique ways. And, you know, another shout out to Ben Steele, who I know wrote an article about turnovers. I, I haven't read it yet. I, I wanted to get the pot out before I, I dove into it. And I'm definitely going to read it afterwards. And, and one of the things that I think also is a symptom of why this offense is so bad is I want to go back to something Travis Diener said to us in an interview. I think it was in the very, very first one. Wojo allows for offensive freedom of his players. That's okay when you have Marcus Howard, who's probably one of the most creative offensive scorers, and and put Sakar Anam on there. I think Sakar Anam was one of the smartest offensive scorers. He had great instinct with the ball. We don't have that with this team at all. We do not have a lot of offensive instinct, and when you allow players to be free and to create when they get into a jam or a bind or their instinct fails them, we turn the ball over. You know, when you have a good offensive system, you have options, right? Ball gets kicked to the wing. You look into the post. The post isn't there. You got a back cutter over here. You come back up to the top. You set a screen. You know, you can either rev- – there, there's, there's options in an offensive system, right? When you see the defense do X, you can read and react. We run a – offense that is made for superstars and we don't have superstars to provide that type of scoring this is very similar to what they've run at Duke and Duke can get away with that because Duke has studs dominant studs we have guys who you just you just never know what you're going to get from anyone at any time we have streaky players who I think need structure I think this team needs more offensive structure to be effective. And, you know, it goes to the to, to the idea of it's hard to I, – I get that it's hard to recruit players to fit a system because recruiting is not like free agency where you can just grab this guy and grab that guy and I, I want this type of wing and this type of that. You, you, you can't do that. But that means you have to be – flexible as a coach to make adjustments to the players on your team and I don't know what we've seen like this team is the same thing it's a three-man rotation from our forwards that goes in the exact same order every game we run the exact same offensive sets where we'll either maybe just come and set a screen roll at the top or run horns maybe with two bigs up on the elbows and set a screen for a back cutter in which we never throw that we threw it once tonight. We hit DJ off a of horns action where he came down the big set, the screen at the elbow and we back cut to the hoop. We hit it once. Most of the time we're not even hitting our screens. Well, especially over the last two games, that's one thing I definitely want to talk about between DePaul and Providence. Our, our screening action has just been terrible. Part of the reason why I talked about before that guys are beating our bigs on their at their spots. They're knocking us off our spots. Um, but we are just going through this these motions. You know, one thing you do in practice with your offense is you run what's called like shell work. 
where you have your offense run through the action with no defense. And what that allows your players to develop is, okay, I've got to get to this part of the court when the ball's on this side. i got to get over here when the ball is here. It's guys realizing where they have to be at parts on the court. And what I feel is happening is that, like, we're running, and I have no idea. I'm not in practice. So I'm, I'm just completely theorizing at this point because that's all we've got. And this is just what it seems like to me that we run so much shell action and we're not run, we, that we're not able to adjust to a defense who adjusts to us. You know, we, we probably, I don't, I don't see in practice. I don't, I would imagine that we're not asking our scout team on defense to say, all right, let's practice blitzing. So we know how, what the roller needs to do, or let's practice being doubled in the post and start thinking about when this happens, what do our guards need to be thinking? What's the off guard need to be thinking? What's the strong side guard need to be thinking? We just seem to be running through our action and our action only. And I don't know. It's what it feels like to me because otherwise we would make some adjustment at some point to take the pressure off of how these coaches are choosing to defend us. And this is a theory I had before we had the podcast and, and we, you know, over the last couple of years, with Woj, I don't know what the data is on this. I don't know what the stats say. But I feel like every time we are played for the second time, we just get completely outcoached. Because they see what we do. They see our action. And it is very easy to plan against. And I think that's why when we've seen the March and February flops of the last few years with this team is because we have coaches who don't adjust or evolve their offense at all. You know, it's just this continual mundane offense where we never adjust to anything. There's another big problem with this team, and it also has, it has to do with, with, with effort. And I don't mean heart when I say effort. Uh, focus is more of what I'm thinking about when I say effort. I, I think these are good kids. I don't think that these are bad kids. I don't think there's bad eggs on this team. I think these kids care. Um, but they have a very difficult time sustaining focused effort for an entire 40 minutes. It feels like for these short stretches, we're engaged. And DJ Carton, that's one of the things that really frustrate me about DJ Carton is... It's like you see this gear he has, and he only uses it every once in a while. And when he's not in that gear, he is in his lowest gear. Like He doesn't seem to be able to sustain a full effort or know how to balance it out. I mean, we see at the end of games where like DJ Carton becomes James Harden and just is like full bl blitzed effort to the hoop and these crazy step backs that sometimes maybe go in. But where is that the whole game? Like, what happened to that earlier in the game? Like, he has a hard time sustaining that kind of effort. They all do rebounding. I mean, what has happened to us rebounding the last two games? I was rewinding watching some of these rebounding efforts and us just standing straight up. You know, then you'll go three possessions down and all of a sudden Lewis will box a dude out, goal post, just throw him across the court. And then the next time, he's like just standing up, looking at the hoop, looking at the ball. It goes up, and someone runs right in front of him. There is a sustained effort. Now, I'm wondering if that focus 
that might have something to do because that's a that's a very player oriented thing and that's where maybe I'll say COVID may have a bigger role in a lot of this um, because these guys remember are in isolation they're having to sustain mental effort on basketball for as often as they do I another thing I'd love to one day be able to measure which we never will be able to I wonder if during the pandemic these guys have more time thinking about basketball than they've ever had before in a way where they they can't step away from it and when it gets to a game they, they're not sustaining that effort because you know really in the DePaul game there was about five minutes of of really hard effort in that whole game of where they were really really pushing it on offense moving the ball sprinting getting to spots fighting guys off being physical it just hasn't been there and like I said there's a lot of different slices of the pie on where these problems and you know where they come from, what's COVID, what's coaching. But I'm just seeing too many trends that there's there's some major coaching issues that I think is also probably frustrating a lot of these guys. And I hate to be bleak, but I think we might be in basketball hell for a little while. Uh, I don't see a change happening. I, I, I mean, unless this just goes unbelievably south from here on out. Like something really epic has to happen. Like it has to be a full-on failure, I think, for Marquette. Marquette's hand to be forced to do something because the financials right now are not good. Colleges, small colleges across the country are struggling in intense ways financially. They don't have the fiscal support of the public to bail them out, the private institutions in particular. Um, I worry Marquette is just in a place of survival as an institution. And so for you to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go spend a buyout of whatever million dollars on Woj and then another whatever million on the next coach, like hard sell to your alumni, hard sell to your current students, especially the ones that really depend on scholarship. Like, I don't see it in the cards, and I'm very fearful of what the transfer season is going to look like for this team from guys that we could lose. I'm worried about the con- you know, continuing to bring Woj back to play out his contract. I, I just... I don't know that I see it anyway. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I'm exhausted. Maybe I'm just being a little too negative. And I, I, I don't mean to be, but these last two games have been the some of the most difficult basketball I've ever had to watch at Marquette. Um, I know the February flops are frustrating in some of the March games, but like the the quality of the game over these last two games has quite possibly been just some of the worst fundamental basketball I've seen. Um, You know, there's still a lot left. It sounds like there's a chance we're not going to play this weekend. Um, Butler was around whoever who just had COVID and Butler may have to go on the shelf. So I I don't know if we're going to have a game. 
I think we just have to be ready for one of the, it's already one of the weirdest basketball seasons. And so maybe weird basketball is just something we should expect. Maybe this brand of, you never know what you're going to get. You're going to roll the dice out there every night and literally anything can happen is going to just be the norm. And we're going to have to find a way to get comfortable with it. Thank you for listening. Not my most positive pod, you know, but maybe this team's going to give us something to bounce back to. I want to try to be optimistic, uh, I but uh, it's very hard not to be real about what's going on. I like these kids. I want them to do well. I want this team to do well. This could be a funk. Hopefully this team turns it around. Don't forget to follow us at the Golden Break. We're behind on some info. So we actually have, uh, I, from the last show, you know, we had reached out to our in-house PT man, muscle man Matt Micus, who's going to give us some information on the cramps with DJ. I've got a great breakdown for you on that. That's on me. I'm going to get that out to you guys. We've got Dr. Keegan who's going to be filling it up as well. Have a fantastic night.